begins his short section on huh? <laughs> Shiva. <laughs> Gentlemen, settle down. <laughs> I realize that there's a lot of uh, room for tomfoolery. Control yourselves as we build up our intensity heading towards Rosh Hashanah. So Rabbi Yona speaks about something which is, which is quite unique. In, in the world of Musa, especially if if you think about Rabbi Yehuda, who's who's a, who's from 800 years ago, so it's a, that's a long time ago, and it's a, quite shocking how contemporary his approach to self renewal is. And as I begins, it's something we've been delving into, but he puts across in in a very clear and concise fashion. He says as follows, asking implicitly the question as to what is the greatest obstacle that we all face when we encounter change? And without doubt, the obstacle, the primary piece that's stopping us from moving forward is obviously our background, the past, what we are. And that what we are has created within us a set of behavioral patterns, what we can call narratives, themes of our life, storylines, which when we get caught into that storyline, instead of us living our life, we live the story we've been told ourselves about ourselves, or society's told us about ourselves, or our genetics have told us about ourselves, and that kind of life is a life which precludes the power of choice. Because everything and every decision that you make, you almost relinquish it to the hands of the things which happened prior to, what, prior to this moment, and we could describe it as the past has conquered the present. There is no now, meaning there's no newness in the present moment. So when the Rabbeinu Yoyin approaches Chiva, he takes his approach. He says as follows. Um, a person that comes and he looks back at his past and he sees that there's an enormous amount of negativity and baggage that he's schlepping along with him. What should he do? says Rabbeinu Yoyin. <coughs> he should take all the negativities that he's had and that he's been carrying along with him and throw them away that on this day he's just been born in other words he doesn't mean in terms of your um mental faculties, you, what you've accumulated in terms of your knowledge and your ability to, to function as a professional in a trade. Of course, bring your skills with you. Bring your past with you. Bring your experiences with you. But don't bring the emotional restrictiveness of the past into the present moment. In other words, the point of self that is an inhibitor to movement forward, in terms of that, you have everything you've learned, but nothing that restricts you. And today is the day that you were born. What do you want to say, Naftali? Is this different to how you said the way you, you were when, when you were becoming Vashiva? How it was when you had to throw everything out and I could not think about anything? So now, that's a great question. What about this? In the process of change, we all realize that if a person tries to make a, a breakneck change, 
in the process and he throws out his life so that can leave a person as a uh, <coughs> amputated self and that's why I have to be very careful in this in this Rebbeinu feeling the sense of renewal and that today's day I was born doesn't mean that I throw out my personality that I throw out my experiences that I throw out everything that makes me tick, tick in terms of who I am as a person because that kind of attitude doesn't breed newness it breeds a deep suppressive self-denial which creates an amputated person and then a person essentially becomes an emotional paraplegic not having half of his body with him every single event that I experienced from when I was a child to now has to contribute somewhat to the formation of the person in the present but then if so how can you be born, born anew from today so it doesn't mean to reject the self it means to take the person in the past and not look upon it as imperative and inevitably predictive. It has to be this way. Mm. But rather soften the self so that you can explore new possibilities. Yes, I'm everything I was until today. But the energy of the past, and this is a subtle thing, the energy of the past doesn't just say, oh, look at me, I've got talents as a person that's a great horse rider, or a person that can compose amazing songs, or a person that... Don't, 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 look at, don't look at yourself as being an emotionally decapitated individual. Look at everything that you've done, but instead of looking at what you've done, as a dictator of what you will do, be inquisitive and curious as to what the present, in relationship to the past as well, could open for up you, open <coughs> up for you today. And in light of that, there's going to be two areas you're going to be responding to. You're going to be responding to all the amazing stuff that happened to you in the past, the good stuff that you did, the things that you had built, and you're going to be relating to all the stuff that you messed up and broke and destroyed. And you relate to those, that's what this whole idea of renewal is, Aiden. You relate to those with the same attitude. You don't feel a pressure of the past in the present. You feel a curiosity and an engagement in the past, but you don't feel a driving force that confines you to being the person you were yesterday, today. Do you understand? It's a little bit paradoxical. Because it means that you have to be totally aware of who you are, totally aware of where you came from, totally in touch of all the good things you did and all the bad things you did. But somehow, on an emotional level, none of it impacts you. Today, I'm new. The paradox is, what do you mean you're new? But, then, but you've got all the stuff that you're dealing with. Yes, but the stuff is only the raw material I've had, I'm using to fashion my life afresh. It's not the inevitable thrust of where my life has to go. Yes, all that stuff happened, and I'm a conscious of it happening. I'm just saying, but I still have options. What the being born in the now means, I open up options. Living with the past in the present means there's no options. The person there was has to be. This society has told me this is a role I have to play. This is a role I have to play. These genetics have told me this is how I have to behave. This is how I have to behave. This family culture has told me this is what I need to do next. This is what I need to do next. 
All that is, I have the family culture, I have the genetics. Now I'm going to be inquisitive. Now I'm going to be exploratory. And I'm going to say, maybe I can be more creative with this raw material of my life as the past meets the future. Who knows what can explode in this moment? And that is the source and that is the kernel which allows the seed of Chua to grow, to flourish and to become powerful. So that's Rabbein Yuna. And that's step one. Step one is this consciousness of today you're born and you have not in your hand no merits and no demerits meaning that's how you feel that's not how you are and then he says a fascinating thing you look at today as if it's the beginning of a whole new world and you can start from scratch today you're going to start so it's almost as if I think the way the Rebbein Yoni is saying it is imagine as if you're a new person that you, uh, there's probably, if not, we should design it, a game, a computer game that does this. You can enter into another person's life and then decide what you'd like to do with what, what, he, what, 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 what <laughs> you... What 20 years ago. <coughs> I beg your pardon? <laughs> that game was like Sims. Uh, Sims. Okay. Uh, you, build, you build a person's life. Yeah. No, no, but it's not you call the person that. You yeah. already go into a real person's <laughs> life, but then you can choose to run it the way you want to do it. Yeah, you, you make it, or you make a profile, and you can be a guy, girl, whatever. No, 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 no. This is a, no, no. I think I don't know about Sims so 20 years ago. You're joking. What are you taking me for? You know about Sims. Shut up. So, <laughs> so, joking. Of course I know about Sims, kind of, almost. So... No, this is, it's not that you build the profile of the person you want to be and then you live it. It's that the person has their life established and now you enter into their life and now you can choose to take it in any direction that you want. That's way more exciting. They do that with like FIFA, with like, with like, with like <laughs> a soccer game where you're like, you play as like a character and you make their life decisions for them. Especially in, That's it, right? Especially, yeah, uh, especially in the new one, be a pro. It's a journey. Yeah, yeah, Hunter, no, Hunter, the Hunter. 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 The FIFA journey. Yeah. Alex Hunter. Alex Hunter. Such a cool player. So, so now imagine that. So that's, 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 I think, is an accurate analogy. Just let's focus on the analogy and not to get too caught up in the game. So, <laughs> so that's an analogy. The analogy is that someone, someone enters into Aiden's life. So that they've got everything that your life has got. There's only one thing that they don't have. They don't have any of the restrictions of the preconceived notions of what you have to be. So they like get plopped into your body, into your life, into your environment, <coughs> but they are a completely independent agent. And now they're going to say, I can start from scratch. Let's see what I can do with this. Wouldn't that be amazing? That's Chuba. That's Chuba. You put yourself in your life as if you've never been there before. And now you look at everything afresh. Okay, what can I do with this? So obviously it's not a denial of your talents or not a... You just hear, yeah, now what should I do with this? So then you can think, okay, so, so this is what, now, now listen to the words of the Rebbe Today you can start out a whole new process of choice. You can make decisions how you'd like to run your life. Those choices are based on the person coming in his own past experiences and his own heritage. That's the point. The point is that once you enter in as, as it were a second party into your own life, so therefore, you look at your choices and your, and your issues and your past as from an objective point of view. And you ask yourself, well, are these healthy patterns? Do I want to p- persist with these? Or are these like unhealthy and destructive? 
and let me like relate to all the all the dark stuff that happened in my past. Why don't do that? But you, as you feel empowered, and um, you feel that you have agency to actually deal with it, as opposed to <coughs> when you when you look at yourself as yourself. So well, well that's just me. How many people have you heard people say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm just that kind of person? When a person says a statement, I'm just that kind of person, essentially what they're saying is, I have no freedom of choice in that area. I can be nothing else about that. And that's very depressing, because that means you're just like an algorithm. And no one wants to be an algorithm, because that means your life can just be transported to some kind of storage file on a computer somewhere, and, and there you go. You want to be someone that there's a level of impossible predictability there's no predictability in your life. I don't mean that in terms of a reckless fashion. Obviously, your life needs a d direction. But the way that the direction could go could, could be so radically different from the way it has gone because at every moment you can, you can enter into a whole new perspective of choice. So that's step one. Step one is when you look at your life, look at your life from a fresh view. And look at yourself, not as yourself, but as someone who's in your life and now is making decisions from the get-go as to what he wants to do with all the strengths and all the talents and all the amazing achievements and all the weaknesses and all the fallibilities and all the failures. And now what you want to do. The next thing you need, obviously, is you need a direction. Because having that power in your, at your disposal to reinvent and to recreate requires some kind of level of purpose and meaning in what you're going to do with this raw material called me. And that's the second point in the call of Chuva. The first point in the call of Chuva is do not be trapped by yourself. Don't be trapped by yourself because until as long as you're trapped by yourself, me telling you, and that's why most Chuva or most Musar about Chuva falls upon deaf ears. Because people think to themselves, well, that would be great if I could change. But since I can't change, it doesn't even get off the ground. So already the first step is saying, there is nothing that's trapping you in yourself right now. You first of all have to break the paradigm that because I am, this is what I will be. You can say, this is what I have until now. What I have from now could be radically different. Once you have that flexibility and you're no longer trapped, and you're no longer rigid, and you're no longer frozen into being a particular way, now you can say, okay, well, what should I do? Since now all the options have been opened up, now the question of Shiva begins. So how should I refine a line and focus my life in a mechanism that will be the best, the ultimate, the perfection, in line with purpose, meaning, deriving the ultimate meaning, reality, from every single moment that I'm on this earthly realm. And that's how Tshuva goes on to the next stage. So where should you take that to? V'derech zu tevi'enu says the Rebbeinu in the Lashuv b'tshuva shleima. So now he says it. And now it gives you specific instructions as to do this. Now, as I said, this Yisoyed HaTshiv is one of the most powerful works because it's really like three or four pages and it gives you a step-by-step -step process whereby you can activate real changes in your life. And the first thing he says is as follows. Number one is, a person wants to be productive in his life and not destructive in his life. 
the notion of what we call hate, which is often mistranslated as sin, go on, can't you see. said people want to be constructive and not destructive. In their lives. I, think that, I don't think that's necessarily completely true. If there are people who want to like destroy themselves and others in their lives? Yep. I think there's people that enjoy being destructive. Obviously there's a reason. A I, I don't know, like, I'm not, I don't know if I'm thinking from a physical, but like, I don't know, in terms of destruction, I don't know, like, if I had a hammer, like, I'd crave destruction as well. Like, I know it sounds stupid, but, like, if there's a room full of glass, I'll, like, that feeling of breaking things and destruction is fantastic. Yeah, that's what I mean, the purpose of life. No, I'm saying, but people crave destruction. So, I, okay, so, so, I mean, first of all, you have to be very careful. Now, I'm not going to mention your name. We'll just leave you anonymous. Um, when you say people crave destruction, obviously what you're saying is, I crave destruction. <laughs> because I think there are many people in the room, given a hammer, and the full, room full of glass, they, I'd say, how oh, cool, maybe I can use the glass to like... Fill no, up I'm saying, if you're, if, you're, if you're in a room, if you're in a room... I wouldn't room, be worried about getting glass. If you... Yeah, if you no, 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 if they said to you, I'm saying, what I'm saying, if they was a full of glass room, right, and someone said to you, they have a hammer, it's like, break, you can break whatever you want in this room. Do you not think that you... People get satisfaction from like yeah, smashing... When you smash yeah, something... You like the Hulk. No, I'm saying if I like... I okay, well, one thing, one thing, one thing. Before you try to prove that everyone is the same as you, <laughs> let's just ask for a, hand, a show of hands. Given a hammer in a, in, a, in a room with lots and lots of glass things and you have the power to break if each and every permission. one of them <laughs> and, love, and love permission to do it. We have one vote. I would do it. It's, so I would, it's not the purpose of your life. Yeah. Come on, so, so we've got one individual who, like, the idea absolutely inspires him. We've got... <laughs> Benji, who's like, reluctantly, like, why not? Like, oh, we'll do a bit of havoc and destruction, you know? Why not? We've got your dirt. Okay, so, so your dirt. That's different to it being a person. I'm saying people also enjoy making fun of people. People enjoy people So I'll tell you an interesting thing. I'll tell you an interesting thing. Even though the act of, let's assume that there are a lot of people that, given the opportunity, would would take big, big, heavy power tools and wreak havoc and distraction on, on, on places. I agree that there's a sense of, there's a sense of satisfaction. I don't think that sense of satisfaction is destruction. I think the sense of satisfaction comes from power. It's control. It's control. When I, when I break things, it means it's mine to break. So it's not, it's not like I enjoy things being broken. I enjoy feeling that I have the power to break. Are you saying also what I said to you before about people like there are plenty of people. There are, but by the same token, the right? Same. If you'd be put into a room and you had this, this like these buttons that could make <laughs> things happen, you could create people and and like control them and do all crazy stuff. They would also be enjoyable, right? You would okay. have to be the person because pa- pa- power, pa- power is interesting, thing, but let's let's not get too distracted and um, focus on. On the idea of the door's not working. <laughs> I've just been watching people. Okay, gentlemen, I, I agree that. It's a challenge. Past time, three people have come. Max has left. Max came up. Max is left. And it gave up. <laughs> I think Rob's getting. Oh no, we're locked in. Okay, gentlemen. If we can just like uh, focus. <laughs> I think focus Rob's gonna. On, uh,
on what's going on over here. So um, as you can see that life brings with it its distractions and that's exactly the point that we're going to focus on over here, the idea of distractions and I think you guys embodied that, the temptations extremely well. There was a beautiful practical illustration of how when something comes along which is not related to the purpose of why you're here, you can just get caught up in it. Um, and that's exactly how the Rebbein Yerner begins his process of rediscovery of self. And he says, This is the way to go. And he says, To evolve yourself from being... Um, when I say destructive, let's perhaps put in the word self-destructive. People may engage in self-destructive behavior, but it's not a rational thing and certainly not something that people on a certain level would like to do. So a hate even though it sometimes translates sin, means self-destructive behavior. It's behavior which undermines you, has no productive purpose. Ultimately, it's only going to destroy you and not help you. So, therefore, when a person wakes up in the morning, he has to think about well, how you want to direct his life. But boy, and this is a crucial point. Waking up in the morning is an art. One of the most unexplored, powerful points of the day is actually how we open our eyes and get out of bed in the morning. So according to Jewish law, the power is, is incredible. Because with the actual first words that as you open your eye, you're out in your mouth, you say so much. First of all, you acknowledge that waking up is a gift. And that the fact that you actually managed to open your eyes this morning is not something which is guaranteed, but rather something which is given to you. So every day, in its own right, is a standalone gift from the Creator to you. You acknowledge that there are two states: one of wakefulness, where the neshama is dormant, and one of sorry, one of sleep, when the neshama is dormant, and one of wakefulness, when the neshama starts to activate your body. So your first opening comments to the world, you begin with gratitude which is such an incredible way, is that there's an almost proven correlation between gratitude and happiness. It's almost inevitable in terms of modern-day social scientists speak about the happiness and gratitude, and there's, there's always a correlation. People who are grateful are happy. So imagine when you wake up in the morning, and instead of like smashing the snooze button and complaining bitterly about the fact that you have to wake up, you actually wake up in a grateful state of mind, and you say, thank you for giving me another day. Melechai Vakayam acknowledges that there's a higher power controlling your life who's alive and engaged, the personal God that's invested in you. And that you literally gave back my soul. It was a way. You gave it back to me. This is a new gift. That, that, that aware of our mortality makes life more engaging. We're trying to defeat the, we're trying to defeat the, the most widespread melody of the modern world, certainly the affluent Western modern world, is boredom. And boredom is because everything is guaranteed, everything is solid, it's all the same old, same old. When you recognize the fact that every second of life is a new gift of life, it's not that old gift of life, and that your life is constantly being given to you, so then there's already a newness in the moment. Never kill time. You'll never kill time. You, uh, killing time is like, it's murder. Killing time means killing yourself doesn't mean killing time. means that those moments where you kill the time is moments where you are depriving yourself of self-expression, creativity, productive engagement. So it's time which is yourself killed. You're murdering yourself. In other words, like this. Killing time is like this. 
person has been allotted a certain lifespan. Let's say 80 years, 85 years. What happens if someone came to him and said, how, how much did you give me to shorten your life for five years? Is that a bigger pardon? So, well, I'm offering you to shorten your life. <coughs> I'll actually take off years of your life. You say, are you insane? I want to live for as long as I want to live. What do you mean? Every Killing time means you're subtracting from your lifespan your life. So killing time means it's a euphemism. It means I'm killing myself. I'm taking my life and I'm taking it away from me. Isn't that petrifying? Because if you think about it, the average person spends between two to three hours at least on social media. And very often when people get off of social media and you say to them, what did you achieve over those two to three hours? They can't articulate. They, uh, they don't know. But they kill two to three hours. Now if you accumulate how many hours of social media take up a person's life, a person literally is engaged in self-destructive behavior which is shortening his lifespan dramatically. We are shortening our lifespans. We are committing a slow form of suicide by our dull engagement in mind-numbing activities which have no productive resourcefulness or creativity. And that's petrifying. So when you wake up in the morning, you want to say, I want to guard myself from any hate. The word hate means deviation. I want to create an alignment. I want to create a calibration between my inner core, the world around me, people. I want to create connectivity. Hate means disconnect. Disconnecting from my creator, disconnecting from the people around me, disconnecting from my inner self, disconnecting from the shama, disconnect, disconnect, disconnect. So when a person wakes up in the morning, he has a focus. I'm focused on something. What am I focused on? Connection and avoiding disconnection. You have to be conscious that you're going to actually be conscious of what you do with your time. And you won't step one step out of line. You'll be so focused, so directed, so authentic, so true to your inner core that you won't be able to step one step aside. And then what happens? But how are you going to maintain that? So now the Rebbe put into play the most phenomenal technique. <clears throat> There's one thing we all need to do and most people derive immense joy from. And that's eating. Eating is a focal point of our lives. What I'm going to do is I'm going to embed an awareness in your eating. How so? I'm going to fix that before you put food into your mouth you first have to do a form of self-evaluation, self-reckoning, self-introspection. So before you put food in your mouth, pause, pause, and say, okay, what happened to me until, until, until now? Just let, me look, let me just overlook my day and see what happened. Okay, I woke up in the morning, got up, and I had that focus, and I wanted to get, not get deviated, and then... And then as I got up and I saw my phone on the side of my bed, I thought, oh, well, let me just, like, while I'm here, let me just check if I've got any messages. And then, and then you realize, oh, oh, my gosh, look at the time. And you turn up 15 minutes later, Shachris. And, and you feel like, as a result, you feel, you feel so frustrated that you did it. So you actually completely sabotage the entire Twitter service. And then afterwards you go and then you, you, know, you, you eat your breakfast hurriedly. And, and whatever you do in your day, you actually, though, after, after that 
gone past you in time, you don't think about it again. So what happens is now you just about to start eating, and there's this barrier that you have to go over, and that is you have to think about what happened to you today before you start putting food into your mouth. So you start to think, and you think, hmm, wow, that was a quite a silly thing I did. I actually should have looked at my phone. Like I got nothing out of it, and it actually just hate, it deviated me from what I was trying to do. That was really, really silly. Hmm. Wow, that was stupid. I know why I did that. Once you have that early realization, imagine if you do this on a regular basis, you become self-aware. Do you know what you become? You become present in your own life. And not only that, you become an agent in your own life. You become a chooser <coughs> in your own life. You start to conquer the now. So we have run out of time, but that's the message I'd like to leave you with and to see how easily deviations occur and how when you're not aware of where you're going to you can literally be in a Musa share and there can be someone trying to get in the door outside and it can deviate the focal point of concentration for, for minutes you can mention as an aside a video game and they can dominate the discussion until someone intervenes and redirects it so these things are powerful and we'll leave you with those thoughts we'll continue the Rebbein Yoyna um, very soon